Welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I am here with Lou Weiss. Together we host this podcast and we are very excited to welcome today Dr. Barry Sample, who is Senior Director of Science and Technology at Quest Diagnostics. I'm sure you've all heard of Quest Diagnostics. He is also a certified forensic toxicologist, which is a pretty smart guy when it comes to what we're going to talk about, and that's workplace drug testing and the implications for drug use in the workforce. Dr. Sample, welcome to the show. Thank you for asking me to join you today. Well, there's a million questions. Lou, you want to start or should I? <laughs> so uh, do you have contacts for good marijuana? <laughs> I, I have contacts for good testing for people that are that are interested in determining whether or not workers may be using marijuana or other illicit drugs. Okay, so let's get right to it. Um, at one time, drug testing in the workplace was nothing that was done. Uh, how long is uh, the drug testing been uh, on the on the scene? Um, well, workforce drug testing, you know, has been around, you know, probably since the early to mid '80s. But it really took off um, when the federal government mandated the testing of safety-sensitive transportation workers, which was precipitated. Uh, by a really horrific train crash in, crash in Chase, Maryland, um, in which there were a number of fatalities and it was linked to marijuana use um, by the uh, operators on the train. Um, subsequent to the federal government publishing you know, their required rules, um, many private sector employers have looked at that federal government model and, and really since expanded somewhat on the federal government requirements for also testing um, their employees and the, um, again, private sector, but not subject to those federal rules. Um, and Quest Diagnostics has been reporting on the trends that we're seeing in these employer uh, workforce drug testing programs with data going back to 1988. So it's been pretty well entrenched, and uh, the numbers that I've seen in some of your reports are really quite incredible. Why don't you tell us about your annual uh, survey, the national survey uh, that you do every year, to give a, a broader picture to our audience. Sure. So um, we publish annually the drug testing index, um, and in 2020, we reported on over 6 million what we call general U.S. workforce tests, 2 million federally mandated safety sensitive tests, 2 million oral fluid tests, and several hundred thousand hair tests. Um, so as we, as we look at our data and the, the population of employees that are being tested, there's really two main categories, as I just referred to. There's the federally mandated safety sensitive workforce. Um, and while that includes testing of federal employees in the so-called testing designated positions, there's only a couple hundred thousand federal employees that are subject to those federal employee testing rules. Um, the lion's share of those federally mandated tests are safety sensitive transportation workers. 
that are covered by US Department of Transportation drug testing rules. And within the DOT group, um, the lion's share of those tests are workers that are subject to FMCSA or Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration rules. So truck drivers, think of CDL holders, um, but it would also include um, workers in the airline industry, pilots, mechanics, flight attendants, um, transit workers. Um, so the, the, the subway workers, for instance, um, railroad employees, and then also um, workers that are subject to the uh, federal pipeline rules. Um, so somewhat oil industry, petrochemical related, industry related. Um, but again, that FMCSA group is the, the bulk of those federally mandated safety sensitive tests. And then, and then um, the other major group is what we refer to as a general workforce. And you could think of that as all of those other private sector employer tests um, where an employer is doing it as part of their drug-free workplace program, um, whether they're doing it because they believe that it helps um, promote a safer and more productive workforce or whether they're doing it um, under the so-called voluntary programs for workers' compensation insurance, whereby an employer can get reduced rates on their workers' compensation premiums. Um, they may be able to terminate without benefits if an employer tests positive on a post-accident drug test, if they're a participant in these programs. So there's, there's also some um, economic incentives, more so for smaller employers who tend not to be self-insured that are buying workers' compensation insurance on the uh, open market. What is, do you know offhand what that discount is? It, it varies state by state. Got it. Okay. So this all testing started back in, in the 80s, 1988, I think you mentioned. Uh, at that time, and, and I don't mean to go political, but it, this may lead to that. Uh, was there much pushback at that time about drug testing from employers? I'm sorry, employees? I, I think what I would say about the experience rate among employers at the beginning of time is that um, perhaps the, the testing was new and somewhat surprising to um, some employees. Uh, our, the, the positivity rate when this testing first started was over 14% um, in, in our 1988 for our combined U.S. workforce data. So think of both those federally mandated tests and general workforce tests <clears throat> being com combined together. Um, <clears throat> it dropped, you know, there were year over year declines and then really hit somewhat of a nadir, um, a, a relatively low level between 2010 and 2012. The positivity rate was 3.5% uh, overall positivity on those uh, for the combined US workforce. And in um, 2020, the positivity rate was 4.4%. The reason why I ask that, uh, I, I think might be obvious in, in view of the COVID uh, vaccine. Uh, 
where there seems to be in certain sectors of our workforce, significant uh, pushback, even to the point where employees are willing to be fired because they don't want the, uh, the, the vaccine test. So I was just wondering if that same kind of pushback existed back 40 years ago. It's possible that certain that you know within certain groups that may have been the case. Um, however, I think there are a number of industries where the workers actually support drug testing because they um, want to be in a safer environment where they may not be injured by a coworker who is is using drugs. Um, so it's it's perhaps not quite as straightforward as, as one may, you know, initially believe. Um, and, you know, for those employees that um, choose to use drugs, they generally tend to, shall we say, self-select um, and go work for employers that don't have any sort of drug testing program. And in fact, there's some interesting data from the National Survey on Drug Use and Health. Um, it used to be called the NIDA Household Survey a number of years ago, but it's an annual survey conducted by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services that assesses the um, illicit drug use, alcohol, and nicotine use patterns um, of the of everyone in the US, age 12 and older, that's non-institutionalized. They survey 67 to 68,000 people annually, and from that are able to draw conclusions about um, national drug use rates, you know, broadly in society, not related just to em employers and, and employer testing, but broadly in society. Um, and it's possible to actually mine that data while they don't generally publish um, data looking at those in the workforce versus those not in the workforce or, or employers. It is possible to glean that data um, from the, the raw data in the national survey. <clears throat> so if you look at self-reported use of an illicit drug within the past 30 days, and illicit drug use is defined as the, the obvious uh, drugs like cocaine, um, marijuana, uh, illicit methamphetamine, et cetera. Uh, but it also includes the non-prescription use of prescription drugs. So if somebody has, say, is using oxycodone, they have a prescription, that's not as illicit use. But if they're buying it on the street or they're getting it from a friend or a coworker or a family member, that would be classified as illicit use of, of that prescription drug. Did I hear you correctly where you said that the, the results of the survey is not widely distributed? No, the, the, um, the, the survey is quite widely distributed. What, what isn't um, widely talked about is the experience at the employer level and, and based on employment status. That data is available. Um, they actually published a relatively large report covering the years of 2002, 2003, and 2004, um, where they looked at the accumulated data across those three years and broke out the 
um, positivity and, and usage rates by industry, um, looked at drug use patterns, and it's a very interesting report and um, would certainly direct your readers to your, your listeners and viewers to um, try and, and look at that report, which is still available from the HHS website. Um, but you know, getting back to the most recent data that's been available, which is the 2009 survey. So if we take a look at the respondents, again, this is self-reported use. Um, in 2019, there is a self-reported, the prevalence rate or the usage rate self-reported among those respondents subject to some sort of employer testing was 10.8%. So one in 10, a um, little over one in 10 respondents, um, even though they're subject to an employer program reported the use of an illicit drug. For those respondents not subject to any sort of employer testing, the self-reported drug use was 18.3%. That's up 7.6% as compared with 2018 and is a 69% higher self-reported use um, as compared with those respondents subject to employer drug testing of, of some sort. So clearly, simply having a drug testing program, probably even putting a sign in your door um, saying that, that we drug test our, our employees and applicants would deter drug users from either applying or working at an employer with such a program. Is there any data on uh, increase or decrease of accidents on the job as it relates to uh, drug use? So there, there's data from the US Department of Labor um, that looks at a higher likelihood of filing a workers' compensation claim uh, among drug users being absent from work uh, for eight or more days. So there are, at this point, it's, it's somewhat old data. Uh, those studies haven't been repeated. Don't see any reason to, to think that it would have changed. But clearly, um, you know, based on that data from the US Department of Labor and other sources, you know, drug users um, are less productive and, and potentially more likely to be involved in, in an accident and file a workers' compensation claim seem uh, normal current uh, events to happen. Uh, Tim? Uh, Dr. Sample, we have had on our show, Manufacturing Talk Radio, uh, a president of a company that manufactures overhead cranes. And the comment was, I can't have an operator using a crane that's moving tons of material and have them be impaired in any way. Uh, clearly, it's a concern for employers. Uh, how much activity is there on the employer side? What percentage of employers are using a drug testing program to try to scale back potential risk? You know, that is a great question, one that I get asked frequently. Unfortunately, there isn't a whole lot of data that you can point to um, that really looks at that. I mean, the, the, the belief is that the majority of Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 companies 
um, have some component of drug testing. We talked about those voluntary programs where private sector employers may um, have testing in order to take advantage of the benefits for, on workers' compensation claims and, and you know, be able to uh, terminate without benefits if there's a positive drug test. Um, but there is there really is not a good, reliable source of information that says this percentage of employers have a drug testing program. Lou was going over some data in one of your documents and you ran across a term which I'm not familiar with, I, I, he may understand it, called a non-negative test result. Kind of, does that mean it was a positive or what does that mean? It's, it's tech, certainly technical jargon in our industry. Um, but as I explained it, it will make sense. <laughs> so in addition to testing for drugs and drug metabolites, we also perform tests of specimen validity, trying to determine whether a specimen has been adulterated or whether there's an attempt to adulterate or subvert the testing process. Has the specimen been substituted? Well, if the specimen meets the criteria for being reported as substituted, is that positive or negative? You're not testing for a drug. <laughs> okay, so therefore it is non-negative. So we, therefore we lump all, shall we say abnormal results, whether it be positive, adulterated, substituted or invalid into the category of non-negative. And here, I thought, and here I thought it was just a double negative. <laughs> <laughs> Not in this case, no. So okay. Quest Diagnostics, national, international organization, very highly respected. Do they put out any documents uh, to employers that share this kind of data and say, look, this is what we find. This is what you can do. Uh, what does Quest Diagnostics share with, for instance, its customers or the general business population? Um, well, we, we publish this data annually, as, as I talked about. Um, industry conferences, talk to the media, such as you. But we also have on our website, um, not only the current, but all of the archival reports. It's at questdiagnostics.com slash DTI. Um, and included in that, and something that I think um, your listeners may be interested in, in addition to the full report, we also have a link to interactive maps that shows the positivity uh, by three-digit zip code for the combined U.S. workforce. So somebody can go to those maps, look at overall positivity, positivity for the core set of the illicit drugs uh, that are included in nearly every employer's drug testing program and say, okay, in my area, in my state, you know, what is the positivity rate for cocaine, for instance? And does it break down by age group, by ethnicity, by any of those breakdowns in this data? No, it doesn't. I mean, in workforce drug testing, our data is very anonymized. We don't have date of birth. We don't have gender. We don't have ethnicity. 
um, certainly for all federally mandated tests, and man also many um, private sector employer tests. We don't even have a name. We couldn't even back our way into um, gender or any dem specific demographics about that donor, which is, which is a good thing. It really is all anonymized data. Interesting. Now, when a customer comes to Quest Diagnostics, what kind of customer is it? Are we talking a hospital, a Fortune 500 company? Uh, just curious what your customer base looks like. Well, the simple answer to that is yes. In other words, <laughs> <laughs> yes to, 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 to nearly all. Um, so as we look at our data set and over the course of the last several years, we now have data going back you know, for, for a five-year snapshot in time, and we're continuing to add on that year over year. We're categorizing our general U.S. workforce data based on industry sector using the North American Industrial Classification Systems. Um, so 20 different industries, we have enough data to report on 17 of those industries based on our category. And we require at least 50,000 tests um, annually in order to report on a specific industry. So as you can see, we really cover the, the range of industries. Uh, Tim mentioned a few moments ago that you're international, which I, I know you are. Uh, are there widespread testing in foreign countries, let's say Europe, South America, so th there is some. Um, the approach and attitudes about workforce drug testing and perhaps drug use in, in general can vary somewhat country by country, but there are um, certainly certain countries that have very robust and, and involved drug testing programs, for instance, in uh, Brazil. <clears throat> There's a national requirement somewhat similar to what is done in the US by the US Department of Transportation, but there's mandated testing of what uh, Brazil refers to as professional drivers. Um, and that's a, they utilize a hair drug test for that, which really det it's, detects a pattern of repetitive use, unlike the um, US program, which is urine, at least currently urine testing, which detects more recent use. Chile has a very um, robust and, and mature program at this point. A number of countries in Europe do. In fact, there's a uh, European Workplace Drug Testing Society. Um, so, you know, it is, it does occur internationally, uh, maybe not to the same extent as it does in the US, but there are many countries across the world that, that have some sort of workforce drug testing program. So Brazil, it's okay to embezzle, murder, steal, <laughs> rob, but you can't do drugs. <laughs> I would, I would, I wouldn't say that. I don't, I don't think it's okay to do that. I've spent a lot of time in Brazil, um, and, and I would, I would not characterize that as the case. Okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I imagine some of the roads in Chile and Brazil, you would really want to have your truck drivers alert because some of those are not like uh, the road systems in America. They're tricky. Uh, I've never driven in Chile. I've been to Chile, haven't, haven't driven there. Um, but we actually set up a drug testing laboratory in Brazil 
to service um, this testing of professional drivers. So I've, I've spent a lot of time there and have, have driven a fair amount. And the the, the roads in, in Brazil are not quite the same as they are in the US. I'm not trying to knock the roads in Brazil, but um, just perhaps the intercity roads aren't quite as developed as they are here. Don't have the same type of interstate system that we have. And they have a much more challenging terrain. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. <clears throat> so in the overall, how healthy is the United States workforce in terms of uh, its performance on, in the job, in the workforce itself, because they're really kind of staying clear of drug use and work. They're trying to separate those two, even though they may use it recreationally. I'm sorry, I don't understand your question. If you could yeah, I'm just curious if the workforce, the workers, the employees are uh, more aware, and you mentioned that some employees are in favor of drug testing because they want a safe environment. Yep. Uh, is that a, a growing kind of uh, a concern or you know, are we in a pretty good place? I really don't know the answer to that. Our, our data doesn't speak to that um, and don't really have access to that level of detail. At, at the employee level. Well, 4% okay. is pretty minimal, uh, I would think, by any standard. Well, what I guess what I, what I need to remind you of is that that is the positivity rate, the experience rate among those employers who include drug testing as a part of their employee screening program or as part of a drug-free workplace program. I would never represent that it's reflective of all employers. And if, I, if you think back to the day that we talked about originally when, uh, when drug testing was new, positivity rate of 14%, it's new, people aren't used to it, year over year decreases, um, and it's now 4.4% 4, 4 for that combined US workforce. So that data, I think, the data that I talked about from the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, uh, both what I reported and, and that other report that I referred to from 2002 and 2004 clearly suggests that, that people that use drugs would tend to navigate to employers that don't include drug testing. Interesting, which only skews the numbers. Well, Dr. Sample, we appreciate you being with us. And frankly, it's rather encouraging to hear that there's kind of a year over year decrease for those employers that are testing. We're all about manufacturing and we realize the intricacies in manufacturing and a lot of the risks and it's not just in the plant itself, it's in distribution centers and warehouses and raw material handling. So it's encouraging that this has taken kind of a positive hold, uh, that there isn't a, a good deal of resistance to it and where there is resistance, they migrate to other employers or maybe that risk is less, but overall things are from a safety factor improving and we appreciate you sharing that with us. Okay, <clears throat> thank you very much for asking me to join you today. And thank you for being here, very good. And uh, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can find us at jacketmediaco.com along with this important information from Dr. Barry Sample at Quest Diagnostics. Thank you for listening. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.